Hey everyone and welcome to episode 25 of the podcast. So today's episode, before I get into it, I just want to say that if you're listening to this in real time, it is the 27th of January as I am recording this and the latest intake of my Nourish, Move and Shine program is happening on the 6th of February, Monday the 6th of February, so that's Monday week. If you would like to hop onto the program and just drop me a message, check out more details in, on my Instagram, TikTok, Facebook page at Kate Hamilton Health. You can email me directly, katehamiltonhealth at gmail.com or check out my website, www.katehamiltonhealth.com. Um, it's a fantastic way to reach your health, fitness and fat loss goals in a group setting with plenty of support. Um, nutrition, lifestyle, movement, workouts, mindset, everything is covered and you're supported the whole way. So anyway, if you'd like, I won't ramble on about it because I do a lot. Um, I will um, just check out my pages and let me know if you want any more info on that. And um, like I said, I have spaces available for the upcoming one on the 6th of February. So in episode 25, I am joined by Beatrice Caffrey. So Beatrice is a certified nutrition and health coach. Her website and her Instagram page is a fantastic resource for anyone who's looking to lead a plant-based lifestyle. And even if you're not, if you're just looking for a few plant-based meals, um, check her out. She, um, Her website is The Nourished Bowl. So if you search The Nourished Bowl, Nourished Bowl it will come up and you'll find her on Instagram at Beatrice Caffrey. And um, she is fantastic. And um, she teaches people how to live healthy and strong in midlife. And she does it so fabulously herself. Um, her tips and advice are always helpful. And most importantly, they're practical, which is what I love the most. I absolutely loved this conversation. I think it was probably one of my favorite conversations that I've had so far on the podcast. She is fantastic. Um, we go into all sorts. So we, we chat about everything. So she starts and talks about her background and um, what's got her to where she is today and um kind of at the start of the conversation and then further into the conversation she talks about her experience of losing her baby joshua um, at just under a year old and how that impacted her and her life um which is i feel will be a really helpful listen for um anyone who has experienced anything similar and um, she's fantastic to have been able to speak about it um, apart from that we go into details on things like strength training and the importance of it as you get older. She talks about how to eat a plant-based diet in a healthy, balanced way. And uh, we talk a lot about habits and consistency of habits and how important consistency is. And I swear I didn't tell her to say any of that. And um, we have a great conversation about alcohol and she shares her thoughts on it and her experience of um, drinking and then not drinking. Um, which is great. So all around fantastic conversation and I hope you all enjoy it. So um, I will, without further ado, we'll get into the episode. Hi Beatrice, how are you? I'm very good, Kate. How are you? I am good. Thanks so much for coming on today and talking to me. Thanks so much for asking me. Um, I'm really excited for this conversation because I know you've got so much to share. Um, but before we get into anything, do you want to start by sharing a little bit about you, about your background, your recipes, your website, your general ethos on how healthy living, just anything that gives people a little bit more information about you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Beatrice. <laughs> I'm 53 years old. I live in Greystones now. I've been here now. We've been living here for, I think, 
five years. Uh, I'm originally from Germany, grew up in a kind of small town in Germany, lived there until I was 18 and then started to travel and work abroad. So uh, my background originally is in hotel management. So I started to first went to France, then I lived in Switzerland, then in Mauritius for eight years, then Singapore. And then I came to London when I was uh, just in my early 30s. And that's where I met my husband, Justin, who's Irish. And he's from Dublin, had lived in, in London for a certain while. Uh, actually, I was by then I was in my mid-30s, well, kind of, I think, 34 or 35 when we met and uh, got married very quickly. Literally met in, I think, December, got together in February and married in uh, November, all in the same year. So <laughs> once you know, you know, I think. Uh, and then quite quickly also in 2007, my son Luca was born. And we so we still we lived in the UK at the time. I was working in hotels, but I stopped working then in hotels after or just before he was born because I had done like really long hours for you know fifteen years, long days in the hospitality industry, and I just kind of felt I I didn't really want to do that anymore once I had children. And we so we lived in the south of the UK and. He was born in 2007 and then we quickly kind of felt, you know, we wanted to have another child. Uh, I had a few miscarriages until I got pregnant again then with uh, Joshua in 2000 and, uh, 2009. And at that stage, just to my husband, so he works in, or back then worked in finance, corporate finance, and he had uh, sold the shares in his previous business. And we were kind of in a, in a stage where we thought, well, how about we maybe move somewhere to a warmer climate and we started talking about talking about maybe moving to Spain and in February 2010 we went to Spain for a week just to kind of look at a certain area I was six months pregnant then then and during that week uh, my waters broke and our son Joshua was born prematurely so he was born at uh, I think it was 27 weeks um, obviously very early he suffered quite a lot of complications at birth and we ended up staying in Spain for a whole year because he was in the intensive care unit for six months and so he he was at, he was he was deprived of oxygen at birth that was kind of the main the main concern which ended up him being diagnosed with cerebral palsy when he was kind of nine ten eleven months old uh, he couldn't breathe on his own he was oxygen dependent he couldn't swallow uh, he had neurological problems, so he couldn't compute the whole swallowing reflex. So he had to be tube fed and he made it until 11 months, which, you know, to be honest, was longer than we ever expected because the doctors at the start had only given him 24 hours. And at that stage, then we decided that we wanted to go somewhere where Luca, our firstborn, would have some family around. So we decided to move to Ireland which was in March 2011. So we've been here now since then. And yeah, really enjoying Ireland now. <laughs> I mean, obviously, this is now the longest that I've ever lived in the country, apart from Germany, where I grew up. And uh, But we, we just love being here. It's, it's a great place, I think, for kids to grow up. Uh, I think it's important when they reach a certain age that they also kind of leave and maybe see different different cultures, different backgrounds. But uh, no, we, we we love being here. So we were first living in Enniskerry, then we moved kind of very rural to 
kind of between Ashford and, and Roundwood. And then in 2017, we decided we just wanted to be somewhere more within a community. So came to Greystones and it's a great place to be. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So and in terms of, of fitness and health, um, so like I said, originally background was in hotel management. So nothing to do with fitness or uh, uh, food or content creation that all came later in terms of sports when I grew up I, I played Germany has a lot of kind of team sports for kids which is great there are lots of clubs at kind of grassroots level and I played basketball and handball and tennis all these kind of team sports but when when I was in my 20s I was solely focused on work and I did no sport no nothing whatsoever I'm very I'm afraid to say when I look I just I was thinking about it this week and literally nothing in my 20s I think that's what we all drop off a bit in our 20s I think you know because we're busy kind of figuring out who we are and just doing mad shit as well as yeah yeah, yeah out exactly our professional careers as well yeah definitely <laughs> And then kind of when I came to the end of my 20s and I started to move to London, I was moving to London, I remember then that I started to join a gym, but it was always kind of focused more on cardio. I was on the treadmill. Uh, I, I always had this idea in my hand, well, you, you know, you have to be running. That's how you be, that's how you get fit. And I wasn't, I didn't like, I didn't enjoy running on the road. So I was always just running on the treadmill. I didn't do anything in terms of strength or strength and conditioning training. And then kind of at the start of when we moved to Ireland, obviously, you know, when you lose a child, there are years of kind of where you kind of have to find yourself again as a person, as a mother, and you have to kind of figure out your life again. So my first thing that I did when we came here, we actually, we got our first dog and I just started walking. I started walking the whole of the Wicklow Mountains and it was literally my therapy. It was brilliant. But I didn't do any kind of gym work, nothing whatsoever. I didn't really know what to do when I when I went into a gym. I didn't really have any experience, didn't have any knowledge. And then kind of around 2014, 2015, I started to think I want to be I want to become a little bit a little bit fitter. And I signed up back then. I signed up for the Joe Wicks, the body coach program, which was three I months. I did that too. I did yeah. that for the 90-day SSS. <laughs> yes, exactly. I did that too. I think at the time he had like maybe 20,000 followers on Instagram. It was on you and he was just shouting out the window with his lean and 15 yeah, recipes. He was recipes. a really cool bachelor guy at the time, yeah. He was, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but it really kind of started my interest in nutrition and in food. Like I had no clue about macros and all these kind of things and, and protein and, 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 you know, looking at a plate from that perspective, not just at the food that's there, but actually looking kind of at the nutrients. So um, after that, I did a, a course here in Ireland to become a health and nutrition coach, which was a one-year coach, which was really interesting because you kind of learn a lot more about the, the, the background of food, also organic food and just behavior change and all these kind of things. And at the same time, I also got really interested in food content creation online because Instagram was kind of blowing up back then and everybody was doing it. And I thought, this is amazing. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed cooking good food for my family. And that's what I did then for the next couple of years, created uh, a lot of content, online content for myself, for my own website, but also for other people. Um, I did um, for a while, I was creating the recipes for Georgie Crawford for her website, for The Good Glow. Uh, then last year I was working with Kali Kali. 
But the downside of all this food content creation was that over time, also, my weight started going up. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you know, you have to know what you do with all these with all this food. And um, it was sort of in 2021, yeah, two years ago, that I remember seeing kind of videos of myself and thinking, oh, that's not how I see myself. <laughs> this was kind of, you know, they were kind of social videos from friends. And I thought, well, I need to do something about this. I want to do something about this. And I signed up with a coach in 2021 for a six month program. And it was basically nutrition. So based on, on tracking your foods, the calories, the, ma well, the macros, proteins and all that, but also on a, a gym program three times a week, three full body workouts a week. And that's where I really started to kind of establish the habit of going to the gym and really enjoying being in the gym on my own and, and kind of learning everything to do with the different exercises and what does this do and what does that do. I had gone to the gym a little bit before, but more done more the, the group classes. But I just felt that I wasn't really getting the same benefit out of it as if I was doing it on my own I was a lot more focused when I'm, I'm not now even I'm a lot more focused when I'm on my own and I I know I can take a little bit more time so that's I re that's what I really enjoy now that's yeah no that's that's amazing um and I'm the same I would have gone from that stage of group coaching which I really enjoyed at the time that um you know and I needed it at the beginning to you know the, the motivation yeah. of going and the energy of the class and the coaches were fantastic whereas now I find that gym space just like my walking so my it's my walking and my gym space or my alone time my connecting yeah. with myself um a lot some days it'll be my only sort my only form of meditation but when I really just get to switch off focusing 100% in the present moment on what I'm doing and you know it's it's the best feeling in the world and then it becomes your motivation it becomes your why to keep doing it I think as well yeah absolutely yeah yeah I noticed so I have a I have a problem with my lower back which I've had or I've known about since I was in my early 20s and I remember that when I was in the in the gym with when I was doing the classes for some reason whatever the exercises that we were we were doing I kept having this lower back pain and it was the pain that kind of went down into my legs and I couldn't figure out what it was. And now that I'm training on my own, I have had no pain whatsoever for the last two years. So I know I just, I have to keep doing what I'm doing now. It's working. It's really, really good for me. So on a, on a kind of physical level, that's, that's one of my whys why I keep going back because I know it keeps me really healthy and strong on a yeah. daily, you know, with, within my daily movements. Yeah. And, but also I train now because, you know, I'm in my early 50s now and I think about when I'm in my 60s and my 70s, I want to be able to be, I want to be mobile. I want to be able to, to get off the floor without having to hold on to something. I want to be able to, you know, lift my shopping bags and all these kind of things. I train for, for my future self now. Yeah. Of I, course, of course, there's a physical aspect as well. You know, you can't get away from that. You want, you know, you can, after a while, you can see the difference, but that's kind of secondary now. It's really for my daily well-being that I train. Yeah, I agree. And I think that anyone kind of 30 plus that really should be the most important reason for training that, you know, it's it's enjoyable to do really fast paced competitive sports um, and, you know, that can continue well into your 30s, 40s, 50s. But I do think that just a basic strength program to build 
just basic strength for everyday movements as you get older. You know, I'm 36 now, so I'm kind of at the stage where within the next 10 years, I'm, it's going to get more difficult to be building any muscle and I'm going to be trying to maintain the muscle that I do have so that as I age, I will be able to keep the functionality, I suppose, of my body that I have. Yeah. So I can stay strong, stay mobile and actually, because at the end of the day, it's about enjoying your life. And it's amazing how then the gym becomes such an enjoyable part of your life because you're doing it for such an important purpose. Exactly, exactly. And I know, like, even when I'm going walking, like, last, last week, I had a cold for, like, the whole of Christmas, and I couldn't get rid of it. So last week, I didn't go to the gym at all, because I thought I need to, once of all, try and get rid of this. And I, within a few days, I noticed that even when I'm walking, I'm just not that, it just doesn't feel the same. And, like, this week, I'm back in the gym, and I noticed straight away, when I'm walking, I just walk a little bit I'm a little bit more taller and upright and a little bit more faster. So it's, yeah. you feel it straight away within a week or two, you feel it in your daily life. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a huge commitment. Um, like you're saying you do three full body workouts a week. That's what I was doing until last, until the end of last year. So I worked with that coach uh, in 2021 for six months until yeah. Christmas. And then last year, 2022, I kind of thought, okay, I need to see if I can do this on my own. I mean, I'm always reading about, I'm learning so much. I really enjoy learning the whole background about, you know, how do certain exercises, what do they work, et cetera. And so I have, I have a huge amount of knowledge and I was last year, I really wanted to just see, can I do this myself? Can I be so enough? Can I have enough self-discipline to establish this habit of just going three times a week? And that was literally, I, I didn't want to do any more than that in the gym. It was just about, applying that three times a week and I did pretty well I would yeah. say I did pretty well I mean obviously if you're working with a coach you have more accountability and and when you when you don't have the coach then it's 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 a little bit harder sometimes to motivate yourself but I did pretty well but I did feel towards the end of the year that I could maybe step it up a little bit so I'm I'm working with a new coach now and I'm now moving into five days a week okay well so yeah I know it's a big step I've already done it now for 10 days so ask me again in a few months to see if it's working out or not or are if it's too much strength training days that you're doing yeah yeah so whereas the the full body workouts last year would have been maybe just a little over an hour now I have like the usual split with legs and and, and chest yeah. and all that and it's a little bit less it's maybe 45 minutes yeah. Okay. So that it's, you're fitting it more into your everyday life, but it's taking up less time of your day. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so I'll try it out. I always kind of work in blocks and this is now, again, it's a six month program. I'll see how it works. If it doesn't work out, I, I find that in many areas of my life, I'm always readjusting and I'm checking out, okay, is this still working for me? Does this still make sense? Is, am I getting the, the benefit or am I just trying to do too much? And then in six months, I'll, I'll re reassess and see and if it's not working I'll be happy to go back to three full body work you can achieve a lot if you do three full body splits you can achieve a lot if you apply three times a week and you you're disciplined enough a hundred percent yeah three if you were doing three strength training sessions a week plus you're walking every day yeah um, it's it's literally all people need to be helped to be strong and healthy um, and you know I work with clients and there's some people that are extremely busy you know they're on their own with kids and they have jobs and two days a week is all they can ma manage 
two days a week and walking, you're still going to get huge results. You're going Absolutely. to make a difference in your mobility, in your strength, in your everyday life, in your appearance, everything. So it is, and I love what you're saying about just readjusting as you go, that it, you don't need to commit to something. It's not black and white. It's not like no. I have to do five training sessions every week for the rest of my life or I won't be fit. It, you know, it, it depends on what's going on in your life, what stage of your life you're at, how busy you are. Um, like at the minute, you know, I was at the stage you know, I was really busy last year, you know, a lot of I was I was still teaching part time and it was just it was there was a lot going on. So a lot of the times it was three sessions a week I was making and I was recovering from an injury as well. So I was doing full body, whereas now um, since Christmas, I'm four days a week, two upper, two lower and I'm loving it. And they're a little bit longer. So I'm usually in the gym for about an hour and a half. But like it's my alone time. I love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that, that suits me at the minute. And I'm prioritizing it at this early stage of the year. If things pick up as the year goes on, I'll adjust accordingly. And it's, it's important to just realize that to find something that works for you rather than it being all or nothing. Exactly. Exactly. Especially for somebody starting out. Don't try and go five days a week because you if you haven't done anything or very little before, then you're going to burn out very quickly. So mm. like you said, two, three times a week. Absolutely fine. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so in relation then to nutrition, so I was, I was looking on your website at all your, your gorgeous <laughs> recipes and everything. Um, are you vegan? Do you um, live a vegan lifestyle or do you just <laughs> plant-based cooking? Uh, so I was probably fully plant-based for about four years, four and a half years. I'd say over the course of the last year, I maybe I've, I've started eating eggs again. And okay. I eat a little bit of cheese and a little bit of dairy sometimes. So I'm a little bit more in the vegetarian space. It's not something you can fully put a label on it. And I'm happy, I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't really like this whole label labeling, you know, when you eat a certain way, then you are a you vegan. Are you are, yeah. I know. <laughs> that's what I was um, going to get into. <laughs> yeah. I think that's maybe something that I've always struggled a little bit with, with, you know, that you have to, live according to this label and listen this is completely you know for anybody listening to this this is just my experience it's completely personalized everybody can do what feels right for them so yeah yeah definitely. so yeah so we we like at home we don't eat meat or fish and uh, my son sometimes at school or on other occasions will eat meat if there's nothing else available but by choice at home also he doesn't eat any and uh, we eat a lot of vegetables we eat a lot of tofu tempeh so these kind of i would yeah you can call them meat replacement but i think if you so this is something that i learned about two years ago when i was trying to to lose the weight if it was based kind of on macros and high protein and all that and if you are in the vegan or plant-based space and you want to have that is your kind of nutrition goal that you want to go you know for higher protein and maybe kind of a little bit in the calorie deficit it's really important that you get comfortable with tofu and tempeh and these kind of things because otherwise you're going to struggle to achieve that protein goal and staying within your calorie number and i'm saying that because that's that was my kind of personal experience but also maybe for the, the people, the women that you work with, you know, if you have somebody who maybe wants to be vegan or doesn't want to eat meat, a patient dairy, and then they say, but I'm struggling with just eating chickpeas and, and beans and, and these kind of things because they're automatically a little bit higher in calories. 
and so, higher in fiber, which can be quite difficult in the digestive system then as well. Especially at the, especially at the start, exactly. Yeah. So you have to ease yourself into it, and um, yeah. So things like tofu and tempeh, you have to get really comfortable with those things, and then you then you won't have any problems. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because that was the question I was going to ask. What food, what would be your, your high protein go to foods? What do you recommend for um, so But you've already said that. So tofu, tempeh. Um, so I would I would often make a, a stir fry and then I'd be frying some tofu in the air fryer on the side because it kind of gets a little bit crispier. And then I add that in at the end. So 100 gram of tofu gives you about 18 grams of protein. So you can adjust that depending on how much you want. Uh, tempeh, I love to grate it and actually add it into like a tomato sauce for a bolognese, or you can use that as a as a base for a lasagna. It's really, really nice. Uh, the third thing that I eat a lot is seitan. So seitan is um, a meat replacement. It's made from the gluten that's in wheat. You can actually buy this now in Tesco. Tesco are selling, are selling it. And you just mix it with lots of spices and herbs and with a, a like a liquid, maybe a stock, and then you cook it for an hour or you can bake it in the oven and it comes out like a log and you can chop it and throw it into a stir fry. You can slice it and put it in a sandwich. You can, I often, if we have pizza, then I chop it up and add it on a, on a pizza base. It's really high in protein and like tofu and tempeh, it's very lean. So it's great as a protein source. Yeah, there's some great tips because that's the one thing that I say to clients about when they're trying to to remain in a calorie deficit that, you know, there's so much online and it's all just, oh, stay in a calorie deficit and you'll lose body fat. And I'm like, if it was that easy, we'd all do it. And one of the main things that I find you have to get down to be able to remain in a calorie deficit is get yeah. your protein up, your protein and your vegetables um, so that you're bulking up your meals with your vegetables. You um, are getting a good source of protein with every meal and then that calorie deficit is going to be easier. And I know that is a challenge then for people who are maybe newly vegan or newly vegetarian or plant based of some sort. And um, so those are really, really good tips. Yeah, and things like nuts, nuts are often shown as they're a protein source. They're not a protein, so they're primarily a fat source. And if you wanted to, you know, have a meal that's higher in protein and you're using nuts, well, your calories will be going way up. So really, yeah. It takes a bit of, I would imagine, a bit of time, organization, effort at at the beginning so that you're eating a healthy plant-based diet. Because... um, it can be very easy to fall into to just meat replacements and a lot of processed food so that if you want to be healthy on a vegetarian plant-based diet um, it, it just to get these habits in place of preparing good whole foods, I suppose. Absolutely. Just because something is vegan does not mean it's healthy. Uh, and actually, it was just in the news yesterday that a lot of uh, meat replacement products that are really highly processed and they're really high in salt. So... There is a there is a time and a space for them, you know, every mm-hmm. once in a while, uh, but definitely not on a daily basis. Yeah. And if anyone is looking to get started on a plant based diet, your website. So the with the nourishbowl.com. Yes. Yes. The nourishbowl.com. I haven't added that many recipes to it, but I, I'm always posting recipes on Instagram as well. And I try to really uh, uh, post the recipes that would be with tofu, for example, because I know that's where people 
can struggle sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Tofu and tempeh and these kind of ingredients. Yeah, you're definitely one to follow for anyone who is plant-based, anyone who is vegetarian. And I'll, I'll just, share just, on... don't be, just don't be offended if I occasionally also post something with eggs or dairies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're not putting labels on it. Yeah. Just... No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll share all your details at the end anyway in the show notes um, as well so people will be able to click to, to follow you and to find you. Um, on your right. website and on your socials and stuff. Um, so what I wanted to ask you then as well was a little bit about habits. So mm. I noticed, um, particularly now in the new year, I've noticed you've kind of been posting a little bit about, you know, the art of simplicity, simple habits and doing them consistently. So would you like to share your ideas on habits? Any thoughts you have? Yes, yes. I, I saw that you're also reading the Atomic Habits book at the moment. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's so good. I, yeah. I remember reading it or listening to the audiobook a few years ago and it was like, wow, this is so yeah. good. And I listened again a little bit to it this morning when I was walking. There's so much value in it. And yeah, I think especially when we try and do new things and there's a lot of find it's very noisy now at the start of January with, you know, starting new things and, and you know, doing this and doing that. Uh, and I think it's great. I think there's always, there's always a good time to maybe think about what do I want to change? What didn't work last year? What I want to do? What do I want to do maybe this year? But instead of just focus, focusing on your end goal, focus on the, the actual habit itself and yeah. so as an example that I, I see that quite often with people is somebody might say okay I want, this year I want to run a marathon and that's a great it's a great goal to have there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but people then focus so much on the end goal that once they've run the marathon they stop yeah whereas instead of if you focus on the habit of going for a run three or four times a week, or you focus on the identity as I am a runner and this is what I do. And then the marathon just becomes kind of a stepping. So it becomes something, maybe a motivation on your journey. But instead, if you focus on this habit of going for a run three or four times a week, then once you've done your marathon, you're going to continue because you want to keep that habit. And because you maybe thought about how does this make me feel when I do this regularly? Yeah. The other example that I have, so I, I have I have a dog who's highly, highly reactive. So I walk him very early in the morning. I'm usually out the door at like quarter past six, six thirty in the morning, because it's there's less people around and it's the best time to walk with him. And obviously in the winter, it's not always nice because it's dark and it would be much nicer to be out now, you know, when the sun is shining. But I realized over the over the, especially actually last year, I was thinking about this that. I'm not just walking. It's not just for him. I'm not just walking him. It's just as much for me as well. I really like it when I've been out early in the morning and I walk for about an hour, then I come back and then I have to bring my son to school. But I really like the way I feel when I've been for that walk early in the morning. Yeah. So I've really worked on establishing that habit, even when I'm maybe on holidays, when I don't have the dog with me that I still go out for a walk in the first thing in the morning because I like how this makes me feel. So when you think about how how does something make me, does it make me feel good? Do I feel good in my body when I do these things? Then that helps me to establish this habit. And the same would be with nutrition and with eating. How do I feel when I, you know, let's say 80% of the time I have a, you know, I eat vegetables and I eat relatively healthy. And then once in a while, I might have a takeaway or I might have something a little bit different. But when I do this regularly 
it's it's quite likely that you're going to feel good about yourself. You're going to feel good in your body. Mm. So that makes it a lot easier then to establish that habit of continuing on. Yeah, definitely. Like mm. I, I 100% agree with what you're, what you're saying. Um, that the, the, I think that one mistake that everyone makes, the people who start their New Year's resolutions and they have all these really great goals and great intentions and then it doesn't, I think I, I read somewhere about the percentages of the drop off, but I think by like the end of the year, like 60 or 70% of people haven't achieved their goals. Um, but I yeah. think because we're, like you say, we're goal-based goal oriented rather than being process based and that is the small little everyday things and we think when we and we get impatient so we think when yeah. we don't see results so I'll, I'll just take fat loss as an example but it doesn't just um it's not just for fat loss but that you know we we track our calories we exercise every day we drink our water we're getting our seven hours sleep we're doing all everything that we need to do and we're doing it day in day out weigh your, you weigh yourself the following week and you might have lost half a pound or something, you get a bit pissed off because you're like, I've, I've, I've done, you know, why am I not seeing results? But you keep going, you keep going, you keep going. Suddenly, six months go by. Like, we all know how fast six months go by. Yeah. It could be six months and be like, oh, I'm back to square one again. Or you could just be tipping away at simple everyday habits. And then you're like, wow, look how far I came, I've come. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's just if we take on too much, then we get to that point of overwhelm where we're just like, fuck it, I give up. You know, this is yeah. working. And this, the, the, the all or nothing mindset thinking, you know, you know, I have to whatever, walk 15,000 steps and, and go to the gym five, five times a week. It's not going to work. And even if you just even if your goals are, are lower than that, there will be days, there will be weeks where life gets in the way and that just happens. Yeah. But the important thing is that you just you get back onto it. And I've, I've I, like I said before, I always kind of reassess. I like to even at the start of every month, I like often do might do it on a Sunday, a Sunday afternoon. I take half an hour or something and just think about oh, how how did I do this month in terms of my nutrition? How did I do in terms of my uh, work life? How did I do in terms of my exercise? How did I do in terms of my social life? And you're not going to get 100% in all areas all the time. There will be times where you haven't had time to, to see your friends or you haven't just haven't had time to go to the gym because maybe your kids were sick or, or, or if you have small kids, you haven't been sleeping very well. But the important thing is that you regularly just reassess, reassess how did I do this month what can I do now in the coming months to maybe get back up to wherever I want to be? I love this. That's such a good idea. Just like a little monthly reflection in your journal. Yeah. And you could say, you know, on a scale from one to 10, how did my, how was my food this month? On a scale yeah. from one to 10, how was my social life? Without giving and, out to yourself, like using it as a positive thing. It's not like, oh my God, I'm such a failure. It's, it's like, yeah. okay, this wasn't great this month. But look what I did do. And next month, I might focus on this a bit more. That's a great idea. Exactly. Yeah. So just a little bit of self-reflection, yeah. self-reflection on a regular basis can make a huge difference. And like you say, you just mentioned that journaling. I find also when I want to kind of apply myself to something a little bit more, if I just take it doesn't always work every day, but even just every few days, I have a journal and I can write down, OK, this month, this week. In terms of my, let's say, in terms of my nutrition, it's been quite good. I've been 
or I've done what I what I wanted to do. I also write down things that I've learned maybe when I've listened to podcasts because it just kind of reinforces the message in my head. And you can it's really nice then to even go back and, and read back where you were six months ago when you were starting your journey. So to kind yeah. of reflect on how far you've come. Exactly. And that's really motivating when you're feeling stuck because we all go through phases. Nobody's motivated all the time. And there are times in your life when you feel a bit stuck. There's not much progress. They feel a little bit blocked. But by going back and reading what you've what you've achieved already, it's like, wow, OK, this time last year or this time two years ago or whatever, this is where I was at. And now I'm here. And just yep. give yourself that bit of time. Because Sometimes we just need a bit of a break as well and not to be always pushing yourself too hard. Um, and then. Back, just back the la the last thought on that, just before I lose my train of thought, was when yeah. you were saying it well then about the goals and the process, about doing things for how you feel rather than for achieving yeah. a goal. And I'm a big believer in taking the time limit off the goal as well. You know, the way, like you say, just say if someone went for a marathon and the marathon's in September, that, you know, that's great if you're already a runner and you know, you know, you're going to do it. But if you're like, I want to do a marathon or I want to do the mini marathon in June, let's say, and yep. you've never ran before. That might be too much pressure for you so that it might actually put you off. Not that you won't be able to do it, but that when you miss a week or something, or maybe you miss two weeks or you just, and then suddenly you slip back into old habits and then you're like, oh, well, sure, now I've set myself back X amount of weeks. There's no point. I might as well stop now. I might as well stop. <laughs> I'll do it again next year. Whereas, if, yeah. like you said, I'm running when I can because I feel great after it because I'm yeah. enjoying getting fitter. And then so then when you have a shit week or two, which happens and um, you just get back to it, you're like, wow, I've missed that. Yeah. And then exactly. the decision to do the race will come up as, exactly. as you go. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's, it, I think that is a huge mindset shift that can be made that can make a huge difference to achieve your goals. Yeah. Yeah. And you can have, you know, even if you're going to the gym, you can have little goals like that if whatever it is, you know, I want to do an unassisted pull-up or I want yeah. to be able to do, you know, uh, push-ups without having my knees on the floor. And, and yeah. even if you just manage to do one and then maybe month next month you manage to do two, just yeah. kind of slowly, slowly yeah. work as if don't have, and some you know. Month, and some months you'll feel like you're making no progress, but you just go in, you do your workout, you're like, oh God, I still, I still feel weak. And yeah. then suddenly what can happen is one week, you'd be like, oh, I think I'll try them off my feet. And you're like, wow, like this has happened yeah. to me. You know, it's happened to me with pull-ups before. I was like, I had been trying for months and months, you know, and I'd been, and I had stopped and I was doing a lot of negatives, you know, slow release. And I said, I wouldn't try. And then about six weeks into it, I said, I'll just see, can I do one? And I was, and it was the best, I was able to, and it was the best feeling in the world. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't put myself under pressure, given myself a date for it. So these surprises come along, along the journey, which is nice then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in relation to habits, what are your takes on alcohol? You drink. So I stopped drinking alcohol. I'm trying to think it was 2016. And I have to probably give credit to my husband, Justin, because he was the one who, start, who stopped first. And he had, so he had often, not often, but a few in the years before, he had done dry January and he had done whatever, a month off or two months off. But it was always about this thing, well, I'll get back to it, but I just take some time off. And um, 
think it was a summer holiday in 2016. And this is this thing sometimes you don't have to have a drinking problem to actually remove alcohol from your life. You don't have to be recognized as an alcoholic to actually want to remove alcohol from your life. But during the summer holiday, I remember, so we had two weeks in Portugal and you kind of start off your summer holidays, you know, first day and you think, okay, I'll have a glass of wine tonight for dinner. And by day five, you're going to have, you know, maybe the two, between the two of you, you think, oh, we'll have a glass of wine now before dinner. And come week two, you're going to have a glass of wine at lunch. And before you know it, you're on two bottles of wine a day. And you come home from your holidays and you feel awful because you've, you just, you're wrecked because you've been drinking way too much. It's not what holidays are about. And during those holidays, he started to, he listened to the audiobook, the Alan Carr, the, uh, it's called How to Control Alcohol. The audiobook is only about nine hours long. And I think he listened to it in one day or in two days. And I could see that he was never going to have a drink again. This wasn't just, I can't ever drink. It was I never want to drink again. It's really interesting. It's neurolinguistic program, the way it's very repetitive, the message when you listen to it. Yeah, so we I, got read, home. I read his smoking one back in yeah. the Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we got home and uh, within two weeks, I thought, well, this is not really much fun because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a big drinker before. I wasn't really drinking during the week, but then at the weekends, I was, we were drinking a little bit more. And like I said, then when you're on holidays and at the same time, I kind of start, you know, I had done the body coach program. I kind of started, you know, just working out and wanting to be a bit fitter. And I thought this doesn't really work together very well because, you know, you have it, you know what it's like when you've, you've been drinking too much at the weekend and then the next morning you feel terrible. You can't plan a workout. You can't. You can't your plan a just... week even like I just, yeah, no. really Wednesday by the time you're kind of ready to ready to go <laughs> exactly so I kind of felt this wasn't really working very well and actually for me a big thing was also I didn't like the person that I was becoming when I'd had a few drinks so it wasn't actually that much about the hangovers it was more kind of I just became I don't know you know and other people probably didn't even notice because they were you know you'd be on a night out with friends and everybody would be the same you'd have a few drinks and everybody gets a bit louder and everybody starts saying things they don't really mean and but I just I was just aware of just, I don't want to be this person. I'm not like that normally. I don't like this person that I am. And so anyway, so after he had read the book, I just thought, I'll read it. I was really intrigued because I thought, what can a nine hour audiobook tell me? You know, I'm at that stage, I was in my mid forties. I've been drinking alcohol since I was, I don't know, in my teens, you know, and we're in, in society, we're so conditioned that that's normal. That's the normal thing to do. And I thought, what can this book do to me in these nine hours? So I started listening to it. And within a couple of days, I kind of did, I think, two hours every day. And within three or four days, I, I noticed how different I suddenly felt about alcohol, that I just looked at it in a completely different way. It's, it, it's literally like somebody had taken me out of the box and I was looking at it from the outside. And I had no desire to drink a glass of wine or anything. And he says to you at the end, you know, it's like the smoking book where you keep doing the thing while you're still listening to it. So you keep, you know, you can drink the, whatever way you want at the start. But then at some point during the book, he says to you, OK, now I want you to take your life to have pour yourself a drink. And this is going to be your last drink. And I'd gotten to that stage and I didn't even want to do that anymore because I thought I'm so disgusted by the thought of it. Yeah. But I thought, no, I have to drink. I have to finish listening to it. So I did. And 
since then, I'm just indifferent to alcohol. It just, I still, I have a glass of, maybe a glass of Prosecco, a glass of sparkling, whatever, at Christmas Day, and, and then maybe my birthday, my birthday is in June. But the rest of the time, I've no interest in it. And that's a really nice position to be in. I'm not somebody I'm saying, I'm never going to have a drink again. I might, but it, also I might not. Yeah. I far more prefer the life that I have now without it. Yeah. It's a lot richer. And like, like I said, I was listening to you, to your po podcast that you did last week about alcohol. It takes a while until you get to that stage when you know that this is the right thing for you. It's not going to happen within a week or within a month. It can be like you said, you know, you had a year where you could look back on how has that year been without alcohol? And you've gone through situations of maybe weddings and birthdays and Christmas and funeral and all these kind of things where normally you might use alcohol as a crutch, you know, or, or kind of yeah. social settings. And it takes a while until you can get to the stage where you actually realize, and I, I can only say this for myself, it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. It's, and anybody that has given up alcohol in that way will tell you exactly the same. Yeah, I've never it's, heard it's, anyone being like, oh, I really regret giving up alcohol. I think I'll no. king again. Yeah. 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 So, and that, the, 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 your social circle might change. And that definitely was the case for us because suddenly we were the, well, we were the couple that wasn't drinking anymore. And, and you know, what's wrong with you guys? Yeah. It, and you have to go through that. Uncomfortable. It can. But I, yeah, it, but, and I think for a long time I, I drank nearly to sometimes just, yeah, just so that I didn't, I was, I wasn't that person in that social situation. But everyone's like, oh, yeah. why, why are you not drinking? You know, yeah, it's funny. But it's because people feel that you're putting a mirror in front of them yeah. and that you're accusing them of having the wrong way. Because, but, but I, I'll just say, I don't care what other people do. Yeah. It, it was purely about myself. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. And I was just never one who could get up and seize the day the next day and make the most of it. You know, I would be dragging myself around. Even after like two drinks, I would still be dragging myself around the next day. Just to, yeah. um, for me, yeah, it's it's just it's the joy and the clarity and the the being in the present moment that like, you know, there actually I wouldn't swap it for anything. Without it, like, you know, that the can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, I'd lost your sound there for a minute, but yeah, you're back. You're back. No, absolutely. And the fact that you can you can plan like three months before you 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 know that on whatever the day after Christmas, you'll be able to get up and go for a walk and, and yeah. or, or, you know, New Year's Day, you can go for a hike in the morning and, you know, you're not going to be hungover. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, definitely one of the best things that I've ever done in my life as well. And like you, I don't think that um, I know anyone who's listen, listened to my podcast will have listened, probably listened to that episode. If they, if they haven't, go back anyway, I'll go into it in much more depth. But yeah, I don't. I, I don't say, like you said, I don't say I will never drink again, but there's a good chance I probably won't. But mm. you know, I, I like to be able to have the option if I'm at an occasion, someone hands me a Prosecco and I'm like, oh, I'll have a sip of this. But to be honest, I probably won't. But I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it, it makes it sound a lot more final. Um, again, it's that black and white thinking and that all or nothing. And um, I just, same with the with weight loss journey, um, I just lean into what makes me feel good, what feels right for me, and this feels right. So that's what I'm at at the minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And it's the same. Um, it's like, you know, nobody's ever regretted giving up alcohol and nobody's ever regretted starting strength training. 
Yes, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the last thing I wanted to say on alcohol, and you know, like I said, you know, I am fifty-three, and and when you start coming into the the the, the time period of perimenopause and menopause, the symptom, a lot of the symptoms can be related to alcohol. It really doesn't help us women as we get older. It's it's just yeah. not good for us. So, yeah, the um, issues with sleep and all these, and a lot of it can become a lot better once you stop uh, cutting alcohol out. Yeah, our body and our hormones have enough to be dealing with at that stage. Exa- exactly. Yeah, without giving it that extra stress because alcohol is a stressor on the body. So when you put alcohol in your body, your body's going to deal with it first. It's like, wow, foreign object, poison, let's deal with this. So it's going to do that and it will make everything else in your body function less efficiently yeah yeah exactly yeah well, anyway very true yeah so we sound like two, yeah two uh, we're, yeah we're not against fun we're not against- <laughs> no listen I, I know sometimes people sometimes people will say to me oh you know but i i just enjoy one glass at the weekend or one glass every few and that's great mm. that's absolutely fine but for me the situation was a little bit different and, and i like i said i just had to try it out and 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 yeah see if it worked or not and it, it definitely has worked out yeah, yeah. And, and if anybody does want to try it there's so much uh, uh, uh there's so many ref- um, resources and, and support there are books that are out uh there are podcasts there are uh support groups there are um one initiative is called one year no beer yeah uh, cool. i know there's a huge did you read there's... accidental soberista i, I did it. no i had actually i had already stopped for about two years or two nearly three years when i read it but it's really good because she describes it so well yeah it's li- i was reading it i was like that's me oh my god that's me i was like did i write this <laughs> yeah it was, i was so she contact her and see will she come and talk to me yeah yeah there's another book um i think it's called the unexpected joy of being sober um, yeah, there's so many, so yeah. many resources. So mm-hmm. if, if anybody wants to try it, try it and they feel like maybe they haven't got the support in their direct environment, there's a lot of, there are a lot of options online to yeah. find the support. Yeah. And if anyone lo- uh, wants to know about any of the ones that we recommend, just message myself or Beatrice and um, we can yeah. point you in the right direction because we're just kind of yeah. at random names and websites and stuff at the minute. But um, yeah. Anyway, so I just wanted to go right back to the start. So at the start yeah. of our chat, um, you talked a little bit about Joshua and everything that you went through. And mm. so you, you gave us a little bit of a background of what happened. And, you know, you went on a week's holidays and suddenly it was a year. And um, like if you, yeah. if you had been told beforehand that that was going to happen, um, you know, you, you wouldn't have thought you'd have been able to get through that. So what I would no, no. Um, how has that how how did you get through that and how did how has it changed you as a mother as a woman um in life um so first of all yeah obviously we found ourselves ourselves in spain uh so my waters broke uh unexpectedly and i remember thinking that day oh my god i had limited spanish at that day i do speak french so i can maybe understand a little bit more spanish but i, I remember thinking that day oh my God, if I go into labor here today, if I have to give birth, I at least want to be somewhere where somebody speaks English. Just the thought of maybe giving birth where, where I don't understand anybody was, was really traumatic. So we ended up on that day driving to Marbella because we thought, oh, Marbella is kind of international. There might be you know, doctors that speak English. 
But they didn't even look at me. They just straight away said, you need to go to the hospital in Malaga. It's the only place if this baby comes out where they can help you. It's the maternity and pediatric hospital. And yeah, I mean, I won't deny that, that the, the whole year of him being in the intensive care unit was hugely, hugely stressful. It's we we, we had a car then. And I remember one, one day saying to Justin, I constantly when I'm driving, I constantly feel like I'm about to crash the car. Because I think we were both in such a heightened state of alertness that because when your baby is in intensive care unit, you could get a call at any moment that something's gone wrong. And you you kind of at the start, you, you this is all new. And then within a few weeks, you come in and oh, they've done new tests and you go, oh, yeah, you just get used to this situation. Um, and then in the time afterwards, um so first of all, I was quite traumatized by actually just going away for a week. <laughs> so when we, um, when once we'd moved to to Ireland, I think about six months later, we were going away on a holiday for a week. And you know, so we had the situation before where we lived in England, we'd gone on a holiday and we never came back into a house. We never even moved back into the country. Oh, wow. Literally from England, went to Spain on holidays, stayed there for a year and then moved to Ireland. So when we went on a holiday again for a week, I was like, oh, my God, you know, there's an option. There's a possibility that you never come back from this. Now, I have moved on from that. I'm a lot more relaxed now about these things again. But I remember in the first couple of months, I was quite, uh, quite traumatized by that. Um, so I was then in my early 40s and... Luca, our firstborn, he was born with a cleft lip and cleft lip and cleft palate, which we knew about before he was born. He had lots of surgeries and he looks absolutely fantastic. He would hardly notice anything. But his kind of first couple of first few years weren't without complications either. Then I had the miscarriages. Then I had Joshua. So I had no problems getting pregnant, but I had problems staying pregnant or having a, 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 a pregnancy without any complications. So after Joshua died, we decided that we weren't going to have any more children because I thought I said, I can't do this again because unless somebody can guarantee that I have a healthy pregnancy, but nobody can guarantee that. You, ne you never know what's going to happen. So we decided then we weren't going to have any more children after after Joshua. And that for me for a while has had been quite challenging. So I would say with Joshua, because he was so ill, during his 11 months, I think I maybe struggled a little bit less uh, accepting that he died because I knew that life with him would have been incredibly, incredibly difficult for him and for us because of the complications that he had suffered. But then afterwards, accepting that I wasn't going to have any more children and that Luca was going to be the only one was really hard, especially when you live in a country like Ireland where families tend to have a lot of children. Yeah. Not everybody, but kind of, you know, the, the average number of children is a lot higher in, in Ireland than in other countries. So it took me quite a while to get to terms with that. And I'm in a in a very good place about it now because now Luca's 15, he's nearly 16. You know, when you have one child, you can do a lot more things. You can travel a lot more. You can, you know, now he's got, he's in transition year now. He's got two years left. Um, and Justin and I are starting to think, well, what are we going to do then? You know, we're going to we're going to start working now on on our plans afterwards when he's maybe a university or doing, you know, maybe not living at home anymore. So 
it's it's been a journey. It's been 10, 11 years. Um, like I said early on, I walked a lot. That was my therapy at the time, just being by myself. I needed a lot of time by myself, just kind of processing everything that had happened. Uh, for Justin, it was a lot more difficult because he threw himself back into work straight away afterwards and didn't talk about it and just kind of in front of his work uh, or in his work environment just kind of pretended that he was fine which he wasn't and it kind of all blew well, blew up or came up in, in, in 2015 when he had a bit of a breakdown and, and started to work on himself and now has gone into being a therapist himself and being a coach and helping people to have a not just not just men women as well but a lot of men can struggle to talk about what goes on yeah inside and he definitely did whereas now it's the complete opposite and it's wonderful to see how much work he's done on that that's amazing and i think mm. things um, like that happen people tend to focus on the woman don't they because the woman is the person who's carried the baby it, it that so the men are nearly expected to be the strong ones and to hold the family together and you know get back to work and earn the money and um people don't tend to check on them as much yeah and i but i th i think really that men often put that pressure on themselves that they think they have to yeah. go back into it. they have to you know, pretend that everything is fine and it's a lot harder for them to, to maybe it depends also what kind of environment they work in. Um, uh, it can be a lot harder to than just say, listen, I'm not okay. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't feel right and I need some time away and I need to kind of figure out what's been happening. Yeah, I do, yeah, I do think that's changing and it's getting, a there are more resources out there for men now than there would have been probably back at the time, back in 2010. Um, yeah. So hopefully things will keep moving in the right direction. Did you receive yeah. any support? Did you did you do therapy? Did you work with a group or anything after everything happened, or did you just figure things out for yourself, take your time, and work through? Them? I just I figured things out for myself. But yeah. we we had always said that if any of us felt that they needed therapy, then we would do that. And I had I never felt that I needed that. But I think it's because I took the time and I was able. I was in the position where I could take that time and I could go for these really long walks. And, and, mm -hmm. and I think actually being in nature is a really good therapy being out when mm -hmm. you know, I just, it was just me and the dog. And, and, and I'd, uh, I started listening to podcasts back then. And, and it's funny, actually, I listened to, uh, back at the desert Island disc from the BBC and it's these one hour podcasts where you have people and people talk about their lives. And there were so many situations where I realized that, so many people had gone through really, really difficult situations. And that really helped me because I kind of felt I wasn't the only one anymore because I didn't know anybody who'd had a premature baby. I didn't know anybody who'd lost a baby. Um, obviously, this happened in Spain and there wasn't uh, there wasn't a support system within the hospital for us as parents. We didn't really have time to get to know anybody there. And then afterwards we came to Ireland. So we did, we weren't in a support system here either. So I really just figured things out for myself, but that's something that worked for me. Somebody else might think they need, uh, uh, they need to talk to them. And, and, and there are, again, there are resources out there and for anybody, you know, if you're listening and if you're struggling, then go and seek help. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story yeah. on this, because I think the point that you made there about feeling alone is, you know, when something horrible happens in your life, 
it's the first thing you you feel extremely alone. I'm the only person that this has happened to. And yep. by knowing that there there are other people who've gone through something similar can be of real comfort. So your story yep. is definitely going to bring comfort to to people. Yeah. And especially when it comes to losing, losing child, losing a child. Um, I know there are charities in um, in Ireland. Uh, I know there was one in the UK. It's called Winston's Wish, which is wonderful for for uh, families with bereaved. With, it's actually for the other children. So, yeah, you know, it's same for Luke. I mean, I don't really want to speak for him because he's now 15 and I'd, it's up to him one day to to if he wants to talk about How it. How old was him when you lost Joshua? He was uh, three. So Joshua died in January and Luca turned four in April. Yeah. So he didn't actually at the time, he didn't know the word death. That didn't exist in his vocabulary. He didn't know what it meant. Yeah. Right. So you also have to learn as a parent then that your child will still go through the grieving process, but they will go through it much later. And I still remember the day and there was probably two, three years later when something happened that day and I looked at Luca and I knew he had suddenly understood what had happened to Joshua. Yeah. And I, I can't remember, I, I don't know exactly how it happened that day or why it suddenly clicked in his head, but you have to realize that your child will go through these these emotions maybe a lot later than you and you just have to be ready for them and you have to just answer their questions as honest as possible and if you don't have the answer sometimes then just say to them you know what I really don't know and, and maybe I'll, I'll find out or maybe we'll find somebody that you can talk to so we did find somebody to uh, f- that we took Luca to that was maybe four or five years later. We just wanted to make sure that he's okay because also your child maybe doesn't want to upset you because maybe when they start talking about you, you might get upset as a parent, you might start crying and that can upset them. So sometimes talking to an independent person can really help them. Yeah. Um, and again, there are resources in Ireland. You can find people online um, that you can bring your child to. It's really, really good for them. Yeah, fantastic. Um Again, thank you so much for sharing that story because I know I would imagine it's not an easy one to tell, but it's um it's so it's so good to hear people talk about these things. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 I think when you've lived through it, it's of course there are painful memories, but on the same time it's nice to talk about it. So yeah. and if it just helps anybody that's even better. Amazing. Okay, last question because I'm <laughs> conscious now of time. So, very last question for you before we finish up. What does the word help mean to you? Health means so physical well being. How do I feel in my body? You know, do I do I exercise? How does that make me feel? Um, how do I feel in my food? So. Am I feeling good? Am I feeling bloated? So it's it's exercise, it's nutrition, sleep, massive. It's a massive thing for me. I'm really kind of quite um, picky when it comes to having to go out in the evening. So if I if it upsets my sleep routine, because I know that if I haven't slept well, it kind of has a trigger effect on lots of other things. So good sleep, a, a, a good sleep routine as much as possible. But then, like I said before, how's my how's my mind? How's my emotional well-being? Do I feel frazzled? Do I feel overwhelmed? And if I do, you know, what can I do about it? Can I take some time out? Can I go for a walk? Can I maybe do a bit of meditation? Can I do some breathing exercises? 
And then how's my, how are my relationships going? My, you know, relationships with my partner, how are my relationships with my friends? Am I taking time for those people? Am I there for them? And, and am I making an effort there? So yeah, physical well-being, mental well-being and, and, and your relationships. That's such a good answer. And your, your monthly <laughs> reviews are a great way. To yeah. It. <laughs> Just do a little check-in with yourself once yeah. a month, take yeah. half an hour. Amazing. Yeah. And so just finally, um, and if anyone wants to connect with you, your website, your socials, um, do you want to just share any details there? Yeah, so the website is still thenourishedbowl.com. Uh, my Instagram is Beatrice.Caffrey underscore. But if you just put in the Beatrice Caffrey, I think it should come up. Yeah. Best way to connect is probably through Instagram. Um, you'll always find me on there. Brilliant. Thank you so much for our chat today. Thank you, Kate. Thank it was lovely. You. I really enjoyed it. Take care. Bye. Bye.